Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast. Current events, local, world news, and trending. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Monday evening at 8.30 p.m. Thank you for joining me. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. I hope everybody out there has had a good weekend. Here in southern Ontario, it's getting a little bit chilly again tonight. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thanks for coming on the show. So yeah, here in Ontario, we're going to have another another cold night, and then I guess uh, the weather is going to. Uh, start to improve um throughout the week and you know kind of you know looking like spring so which is not too far away now you know i think uh we're over the hump of uh winter and uh like i said spring is uh it's just around the corner so uh today monday uh, March the 1st, um, the London and Middlesex counties are moving to the Orange Restrict, and we're coming out of um, the, uh, the red, uh, one of the color codes that we are using here in Canada and across the provinces. So what this means for um, London, Ontario, is the London and Middlesex region will see restriction loosened for indoor and outdoor gatherings and businesses starting today. It makes a move from the red control to the orange restrict in the province's color-coded COVID-19 restrictions framework. The province, which determines the color tier each public health unit falls under, um, they announced that change this Friday that just passed that takes effect um, today. The region entered a red control when it returned to the framework on February the 16th from the province-wide shutdown and stay-at-home order. Now that was just, uh, you know, for a couple, like for, for the two weeks. So I'm hoping that um, we don't, you know, move too fast on um, getting things back to somewhat normalcy. And being in the, in the orange, um, I hope it's for the entire 
for the entire month of March. And we can see how things go um, coming into April. I, I hope that it's not just, you know, two weeks down the road and they decide that we can go from orange down to yellow. And then at the end of March, we go into, into green. So I hope it's not going to be that fast. But it certainly allows like the businesses to open up, have their patrons back, customers back in the stores. So um, what that means um, for um, how many people can uh, be indoors and um, outdoors as well is uh, for you know social social gatherings. So under the uh, orange, that's what we moved into, um, certain organized public events and social gatherings held in private residence, backyards and parks, such as functions of parties, uh, dinners, barbecues, weddings, receptions, um, are limited to, limited to 10 people indoors. So that's up from five people. Uh, 25 people outdoors where physically distancing can be maintained. And that doesn't mean having 10 people in your house and 25 people in the backyard. It's one or the other. And for the organized public events and gatherings um, for businesses and facilities, the indoor limit is 50 people. That's up from 25 and the outdoor limit is 100 and that's up from 50 where physical uh distancing can be maintained so like i said under the red control all organized public events and social gatherings were limited to five people indoors and 25 people outdoors now what's the, what this means for restaurants and bars retail and personal care services for local restaurants and bars, the move to orange means indoor capacity limits will be raised from 10 to 50 people, where physical distancing can be maintained. Most other restrictions will remain, including hours of operation and table seating limits, on a, and uh, there's still a ban on a buffet-style service. And under the orange, However, dancing, singing, performing music, and karaoke are permitted, but with restrictions. So karaoke in the meantime is allowed with proper physical distancing, plexiglass, or some other um, impairable barrier, and increased cleaning and disinfection, the health unit says, and private rooms are not allowed. Nightclubs, strip clubs are still only allowed to operate as a restaurant or a bar. For the retail, rent control capacity limits uh, are removed, but stores must continue to have passive screening for patrons according to the restrictions. So, meaning passive screening, you know. Your name and telephone number. 
So just in case somebody was in the store and they have COVID and you happen to be in that store at that time, and it's reported, they have people's names and telephone numbers to give you a heads up. See, big box stores, Walmarts and, and the Costco's and stuff, they weren't doing any of that. Big corporations allowed to open and sell non-essential items and, and whatnot, while your small hardware store or your lumber store had to close. There's no screening. There was no nothing in the sort of protocol except for how many people they could have in there at, at, at one given time. But don't but don't forget, you know, when I talked about in my episode on my other episode there about personhood, corporations. You know, somehow corporations have precedent over small business. So the restrictions for personal care services remain largely unchanged from red control, but locker rooms, chain rooms, and showers are no longer required to be closed. Sports and recreational and fitness facilities for the orange uh, color code for sports and uh, recreational facilities, um, patrons still must maintain two meters of physical distance but the rule is excluded for those engaged in the sport according to the provincial guidelines. When you're playing hockey, you're playing recreational hockey or any indoor um, sport or, or, or fitness, you know? So you still got to, you know, especially in a gym, you know, or a fitness center, you know, you're still going to maintain your social distance. Now, in addition, overall capacity limits have increased with a minimum of 50 people total now allowed in indoor areas uh, with weights and exercise machines in all indoor classes. The province notes, however, that each indoor class is limited to a maximum of 10 people and, and, and must take place in a separate room. Visits are, uh, visits are still limited to 90 minutes, except if engaged in a sport, the health unit says, and mask or face coverings may be removed when exercising. Now, like I say, from moving to, you know, the, uh, the red control into this orange restrict, um, we still really need to be careful because we know what happened the last time. We know what happened leading up to Christmas time. And, you know, cases um, continued to climb and gotten to the point with just after Christmas, um, all of Ontario, here in Canada was put into lockdown and stay-at-home orders until just up to February the 16th. Now, cinemas, you know, like your movie theaters and stuff like that, I mean, there, I guess there really isn't any movies going on. 
you know, so performing art facilities, um, the same capacity limits are in place for the performing arts facilities, uh, which are also required to uh, separate singers and players of wind or brass instruments from spectators by plexiglass or other imperable bar barriers. So, you know, it's, it's good news um, for businesses, for the, for the, uh, for the little guys. Um, good for people now that, you know, they'd be able to go to a rec, a recreational facility, um, have their organized, you know, their organized sports, um, being able, being able to do that, the pool halls, uh, people who are in pool leagues, um, now are able to get back, um, to doing the things that they like to do um, for their activities. But that doesn't mean that we let our guards down. And like I'm hoping, like I said earlier, I'm hoping that, you know, we stay in this orange, you know, at least for, for the entire um, month of March, you know, give things, give things a chance to work. And hopefully, you know, we don't have to be moved back to the uh, red coated color. And hopefully we can we can keep moving forward as the vaccines are rolling out. Thank you for joining me this evening. People coming on the uh, on the show uh, right now. So the other day I was talking about um, personhood. And it was talking about uh, corporations and um, how how that their rights, uh, you know, compared, um, you know, to a human being, you know, and how corporations are recognized as has that personhood status um, for um, any legal challenges. Um, in the court of law. Now, in the province of, of Quebec, there is a river that has been granted legal rights as part of a global parenthood movement. So as 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 though that the it, the uh, the river can speak on its own behalf for any legal challenges, so to speak. So this uh, this river uh, in in the province of Quebec, with its kilometers of rapids and deep blue waters winding through uh, Quebec's uh, Côte Nord region. The Magpie River has long been a culturally significant spot um, for the Innu people. Now the river, a, uh, it's a majestic, world-renowned whitewater rafting destination, 
has been granted legal personhood status in a, in a bid to protect it from future threats, such as hydro development. And its new status means the body of water could theoretically sue the government. On February the 16th, the regional uh, municipality of the uh, uh, the Mingani and the Innu adopted separate but similar resolutions granting the river nine legal rights, including the right to flow, to maintain its biodiversity, and the right to take legal action. One of the uh, resolutions says that the river can be represented by guardians appointed by the regional municipality in the Innu with the duty to act on behalf of its rights and the interest of the river and ensure that the protection of its fundamental rights. You know, that's what we should be doing with all rivers and streams and lakes and oceans is giving them You know, to, to give them to give them that right as a as a uh, personhood, so it can protect itself. You know, maybe it's a better way of saving our our lakes and rivers, our streams, our oceans from predators who just want to uh, destroy it. Because it's you know it's really important that we that we save our oceans, our lakes, our streams, and our rivers, and especially the oceans. Because if we lose the oceans, we lose this planet. The uh, Quebec branch of the environment charity Canadian Parks and, and Wilderness Society says the move is rooted in the belief that the river is a living entity, that it deserves rights. The idea is that the river is living, that it has an extinct, uh, an, an existence that doesn't depend on humans, he said in a recent interview. It's not a simple resource for humans. It becomes an entity that has a right to live, to evolve naturally, to have its natural cycles, like all our reefs and our oceans. The first time a river has been granted legal status, uh, a legal status in Canada, similar efforts have been successful in countries like New Zealand, India, and Ecuador. An environmental lawyer in the United Nations Special on, on Human Rights and the Environment says that the idea of granting rights to a river isn't as far-fetched as it seems. In our legal system, we declare lots of things to have legal parenthood, like mis, uh, municipalities and corporations. 
said that the environmental personhood movement is a response to the belief that successive governments around the world have failed to adequately protect the to to protect the environment. Well, we've all done something to ne to neglect it. Maybe you're walking beside a riverside and you 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 threw your empty can of pop into the river. Maybe you maybe you know somebody or yourself or whatever walking through the river and stuff like that, and you push a shopping cart into it, throwing beer bottles into it, throwing garbage into it. So maybe our rivers and our streams and our lakes should have legal rights as a personhood. So anybody who violates it can be sued by it. Because we're all guilty of something. We're all guilty of something polluting, throwing garbage on the ground. When there's a garbage can two feet away from you. A member of the Innu community who has been involved in the, the Magpie River conservation effort said the river is an important part of the traditional territory. For some, spending time on the river is a way to reconnect to traditional land-based practices and that were partially abandoned because of the trauma suffered by indigenous people from colonial violence, including the residential school system, which is actually really shameful. Canada has a really big black eye over residential schools. People are suffering a lot. Intergenerational traumas linked to the past. Who this, who this individual described occupying the territory as a form of healing. She said her ancestors have always protected the, the magpie. And that the, the recognition of the river's rights will allow them to protect it for the future generations. What would be your thoughts? What would be your thoughts on, on uh, personhood, on lakes and rivers and streams and oceans giving the, these bodies of water um, a legal right, such as your legal right? We use it and we abuse it and we could lose it. And Hydro-Quebec said it has no plans for the magpie in the short or even the medium term and that no plans are even foreseeable in the next decade. Apparently not now, not ever. But in the long term, we do know that the Quebec's future energy needs will be what, they, what they're saying, what their energy needs will be. But being that the magpie now has this personhood status, Quebec Hydro 
you know, won't be able to build a, a hydro facility on top of it. They go on to say right now, we do not consider it um, responsible in terms of Quebec's energy security to permanently renounce to the potential of its river and any future project would have to meet several criteria, including social acceptability, he noted. The members of the regional government and other environmental activists have given up on lobbying the Quebec government to grant the river official protected status. He said he thinks that the province has been reluctant to commit to the idea, mostly because of the river's potential for hydroelectric power. But, um, It has been granted the legal rights of a personhood. Now, you know, we all know, um, you know, here in Canada with the new rules um, that had just come in, uh, had come in um, back in uh, uh, February, uh, the travel restrictions that we have in place for um, Canadians returning back to Canada, that they have to have a COVID-19 um, test done 72 hours before boarding the flight back to Canada, and they must test negative. They have to have a COVID-19 test done at the airport where they land, they have to pay for that. And they also have to quarantine in a hotel for three days while they're waiting for those results to come back. A cost out of their own pocket that could range anywhere from $1,000 a person to $2,000 a person. Now I've been reading stories from time to time about travelers coming back in and they're frustrated they're upset they don't think that the rules are right you know and here we are in a pandemic and yet they decided that you know under the travel advisory that they're going to travel anyway non-essential travel And the government has always said, don't do any unnecessary travel. Because you never know what is going to happen. But people just kept snubbing the idea, I'm gonna go away for two weeks, or I'm gonna go away for a week, or I'm gonna go away for a month, or whatever the case may be, whatever they decide to do. So when the rules came into place that you had to, when you arrived back at one of the four airports that the government uh, destined for you to land in and pay for that COVID-19 test and then pay for the quarantine in the hotel. So, you know, people, you know, you know, they're frustrated because, you know, it was hard to get bookings. The phone lines were always busy. 
And, you know, now, you know, some people are talking about, you know, the chaotic scenes um, in the hotel quarantines. Uh, people uh, part of the country here in Saskatoon, travelers say they're frustrated by long wait times to book to uh, book the hotel quarantines and the chaotic service during their stays. This one individual recorded um, a now viral video of a crowd of hotel guests yelling at staff and in a government-sanctioned hotel in, in Toronto on Friday, they said they hadn't been fed for hours and weren't getting clear answers from the front desk. But how is that the staff's problem? He goes on to say who um, who is returning um this guy is returning from a a work trip in tennessee and uh, he explained that uh, fellow travels were exhausted from um 12 to, to 14 hour flights from overseas when you're asked not to travel to begin with there's been a travel advisory since the pandemic broke out and yet people, like I said, just ignored it, snubbed it, whatever. Flipped the system off. I'm going anyways. So like I said, the new hotel stay requirements, which can cost between $1,000 and $2,000 per person, depending on the hotel. Now, people are, are complaining a lack of bottled water. We'll drink tap water. Our water is safe here in Canada. Our water is safe here in Ontario. Drink tap water. This person says she was she was so hungry i called so many times she said recalling her attempts to get more water from staff so she's calling from her hotel room that she wants more water in her room drink the tap water turn the tap on you got an endless flow of water So, you know, the frustration, you know, what about the frustration of everybody back home here in Canada? What about everybody else's frustration? All the people, all the people out of work, everybody had a shutdown, stay at home orders. And yet you jumped on an airplane, went to a sunshine, sunshine destination, kicking your feet in the sand and water. Well, back at home here in Canada, where well, your fellow Canadians hurting mentally, economically, and so on and so forth. 
And then all you can do is bitch and complain to the hotel staff about frickin' water. Unbelievable. I don't feel so, really, I do not feel sorry for them. I really don't. That is their problem. They knew all along that there's been a travel advisory. You're going to travel, you're going to do it at your own risk. And the risk one is getting COVID-19. The risk, the risk two now that would potentially come, and it did, that the Canadian government put these new rules in place. First, it was that you had to test negative 72 hours prior to your flight coming back into Canada, self-isolate for 14 days at home. But just too many people, just too many people were just ignoring it, just ignoring the travel advisor. Top, C, top CEO. Government official, and so on, so forth, just snubbing their nose at the travel advisor. Because on top of the quarantine in the hotel rooms, once your three days are up, you have tested negative. You, when you go home, you still have to quarantine for the remainder time. With health officials, will check in on. And those three days stay in the hotel, if you test positive, then you would be transferred to a government facility to quarantine for the remaining time. So they could, so they, uh, you know, they, they complain about the cost. You know, they complain about the wait times. They complain about not getting service fast enough. Well, you're certainly not the queen, the queen and king, and you're not going to get service like that. Some people even opt out of quarantine in, in, in the hotels and took an $880 fine. And now they're going to be subject to more penalties. It's not the end of the road when you decide just to walk out of the airport, jump in your car with a, with a fine in your hand. Now the government officials are going to come and see you and there's going to be more consequences. And it's going to get quite costly for you. It seems to me, people like that, they just think of themselves. They don't care about anybody else. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. It's all about them. 
They don't care how many people died around the world. They don't care how many people died in the United States. They don't care how many people died in Canada. It's all about their ignorant self, their selfish self. Now, I know there's a lot of great people in the world. I'm not saying these are bad people. They're just being dumbasses. They're just being ignorant. Right? I'm not saying they're bad people. They're not bad people. They're just, you know, they're just being ignorant to the fact. We're all trying to get out of this. We're all trying to do what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, it's been tough. It's been really tough on a lot of people all over the world. But you can't be you, you can't be a self-centered individual. The world doesn't revolve around you. You're not high and mighty. You made that decision to travel under a travel advisory thinking that there are no there won't be other consequences there won't be other rules implemented and when there is then they do nothing but complain about it. when companies and people have been out of work time and time again in lockdowns and stay-at-home orders financially hurting emotionally mentally we all have COVID fatigue we all have it this is something that we've never experienced before and we're all going through this together all over the world, all around the world. We could we complain about a lot of things. But to complain about what the rules are because you just decided to go against the travel advisories anyways and do it anyhow. I don't feel that you have the right to complain about the new rules put in place. We are trying to end this pandemic. Just like the rest of the world is trying to do. So we can get back to what we knew as normal. You remember that? Do you remember that? You remember normalcy? I do, I haven't forgotten and I miss it. And I'm sure you all miss it too. But for those, like I say, who go against the advisories, 
who go against the rules, you need to start becoming part of the solution, not part of the problem. And yes, from time to time, we have people around Canada, here in Ontario, right here in my city where I reside, you know, breaking the rules, having too many people in their homes. They get caught, they get fined, and it's not cheap. $2,300 fine for the individual who's holding the party. $880 fine for anybody else who's not supposed to be in the household. And those fines, and those fines aren't going away just because we went from the red color control to the orange restrict. Yes, now you can have 10 people in your household or 25 people in your backyard. If your backyard can safely hold 25 people social distance, that's fine, but not 10 in the house and 25 people in the backyard. That wouldn't fly. And as long as we keep following the rules, the restrictions can keep coming off. Now, here, you know, just in the city of London, we, we've done pretty well. And I got to say thank you to all my fellow Londoners for, you know, the dedication and the hard work and the patience, you know, even to get as far as we have so far during this second wave. Hopefully preventing a third one because we don't want to see that with these new variants that are out there. We still have to take all these precautions. And the more that each and every one of us do as we move forward, the better off we all will be. Other parts of Ontario, like the city of Toronto, they're still in the gray lockdown and stay at home orders until March the 8th. We're still seeing, you know, cases in the province around a thousand cases in a seven-day stretch. Most of those cases are coming out of Toronto and the surrounding Peel region and the York region. And they wonder why they're still in this gray lockdown. But yet with the other parts of, of the province opening up and other towns and cities opening up, people in Toronto are flocking to those places. Potentially, maybe spreading the virus, maybe not, but could be. And then those places will have to go back to 
a different color code and tighten their restriction. I say to my troop, I say to the people in Toronto, I get it, I know, it's frustrating, but stop going to other areas that are opening it up. If you stay home, you too can open up. I don't know how hard that has to be to understand that. Because we don't know who's asystematic, ladies and gentlemen. People who are, are asystematic don't even know they have the virus and they can spread it. There's not enough testing being done for that, and there should be more testing to be done for that. I don't want people from all over the place here in Ontario as London is opening up. I don't want to see people from Toronto. I don't want to see people from Niagara Falls. I don't want to see people from any other place outside of this city except for the people who live in this city. And the same thing with the other places that are opening up, like London, Ontario here is opening up. They don't want to see the same thing either. But there's no, there's no way to, to uh, uh, control that. There's no way to police that. So as human beings, naturally what we do is we move around. That's what we do. But people have to bear in mind and be responsible. Is what we need to do. Bear in mind that potentially somebody could be spreading it. I'm not saying that it's just from there, but even here in the city of London and, and all over that, you know, there's potentially people who are asystematic and could be spreading it, not even knowing it. That's why it's still with the openings, what we're doing, you still have to be vigilant. Wear your mask, social distance, sanitize your hands. Don't gather in large groups. Even though we can have more people in our household and more people in our backyard, we still got to have some sort of responsibility. Do you really want to do that right now? I mean, even right now, I mean, it's still winter. You know, for, I don't know, another 19 days. Weather's going to start getting nicer. People want to be outdoors.
but we also have a responsibility to do the responsible thing. So I will leave that with you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me this Monday evening. I generally have uh, my Monday morning show um, coffee with you. Uh, but in the last uh, few days, um, we have had um, some family matters um, to, uh, to deal with. So, um, I was out and about this morning helping a, a loved one, um, cope with a loss and that, and, uh, it's been really trying times for the family. And, uh, so that's why I have, that's why I decided to have an evening show uh, Monday instead of my, my morning show on Mondays at 10 a.m. So I will be back out here, excuse me, again, um, Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Unless something really pops up and, you know, I got to get back out here and, and do a show about it, you know, because I'm always... I'm always looking, I'm always searching for something. So, but I'll leave this show tonight. I hope everybody um, has a good week, a safe week. Um, watch out for one another, protect one another. And we can, we can all get through this. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug from London, Ontario, Canada. Be safe out there, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you for joining me. Good night, everybody. <laughs>